Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Story time. I couldn't believe my eyes as I stared at the lifeless body of my sergeant. He had taken his own life in the police station and left behind a note with coordinates. I knew I had to investigate. The coordinates led to a remote part of Yellowstone National Park. I knew it was a long shot, but something compelled me to follow through. I set out on the long drive to the park, unsure of what I would find. When I arrived, I met a park ranger who told me... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST me that the area I was headed to was off-limits to visitors. I knew I had to be careful, so I lied and told him I was just there to do some hiking. He reluctantly let me pass, but warned me to stay on the designated trails. As I hiked deeper into woods, 
The smell of rotting flesh grew stronger. I knew I was getting close to something, but I had no idea what it could be. Suddenly, I saw a cave in the distance. My heart raced as I approached it, unsure of what I would find inside. As I neared the entrance, a terrifying creature emerged. It had the body of a man but the head of a dog. It let out a roar that sent shivers down my spine. I reached for my gun, but my hands were shaking so badly that I missed my target. The creature charged at me, tackling me to the ground. I struggled to get free, but it was too strong. I was certain that I was going to die. Just as I thought it was over, the creature let out a final roar and ran off into the woods. I lay there for what felt like an eternity, trying to catch my breath. When I finally stood up, I knew I had to get out of there. I stumbled back to the park ranger, my mind racing with what had just happened. You're insane, the park ranger said, when I told him about the creature. There's no such thing as dogmen. But I knew what I had seen. And from that day on, I couldn't shake the feeling that something sinister was lurking in the woods, waiting for its next victim. I never forgot about that encounter, and I never went back to that part of the forest again. I knew that some things were better left alone. There was a time when I thought that my life would be boring and mundane. Every day I'd get up, go to work, and then come home and take a nice shower before going to bed. Then one day, that all changed. Right after my youngest daughter started high school, my wife got a job in another state and we moved without much warning. And my daughter also changed school, so she wasn't around very often either. I remember how alone I felt until this day came when something called me from the darkness outside of town. It was about 1am when, at first, I thought it was nothing more than a raccoon rummaging through the trash cans outside the house. Suddenly, from behind me, I appeared this very chiseled humanoid creature, standing well over seven feet tall with matted black hair. I don't know what it was looking for, but I can tell you that I almost had a heart attack when it turned around to face me with these glowing eyes. After what felt like an eternity of standing there in complete shock at the sight of this thing, it looked to me for about five seconds before disappearing. I would consider this creature a chupacabra and based on what I've seen online and how this creature looked. After this, I started drinking every night and didn't stop until years later when I finally moved back to my hometown. To this day, I still think about this creature often, wondering if he's still out there somewhere lurking in the darkness, just waiting for another unsuspecting victim to pounce upon. I believe that would have been me had I been maybe in my full uniform. I was off duty at the time, so who knows. It's signings like this that make me wonder if all my years as an officer in service have really gotten to me. Maybe changed the way my brain feels and works. Maybe I've gathered hallucinogenic PTSD from everything I've gone through because since then I've never seen anything quite like what I saw, but I can't help but feel that this was more than real and I didn't just have a vision. This was real. This was something that actually happened to me. I feel like if I had my radio or weapon on me, I would have taken a shot at this thing. Could it have been a demon? I don't know. I'm really not sure exactly what this was. But he opened his door and got out too and we both stood staring at this creature for several minutes. 
When he began to move towards away from us at incredible speed, I turned back towards the cruiser only to realize that my partner was no longer there. I was about to radio for backup when I heard a scream coming from the wood line. Just then more silence. I didn't know what to do, so I just stood there where I was until backup had arrived. Once it did, we immediately set out into the woods to try and find my partner who had been missing for nearly an hour at this point. It was dark and quiet, an uncomfortable silence that now settled over us as we searched desperately. Then I saw it, the most notable legend, the goat man darting through the trees several yards ahead of us. But after a few seconds it stopped, looking back at me like it knew I'd seen him. The only thing I could do was stand there in complete horror as this creature stared right back at me with its glowing eyes before it sought out to attack. Right before I felt his hands on me, my vision went black. I woke up to find myself strapped to a hospital bed with nobody else around. I've been here for the past few days now and haven't seen any of my fellow officers. I'm hoping to be released soon, the doctors are being very dodgy about it, saying they have more tests to run on me before they can sign me out. What could all of this mean and where did my fellow officer go? As a cop, I have a few supernatural encounters to share with you. Not exactly sure how related they are to the supernatural, but I can tell you the night in question it was very hot. Our police radio started going crazy with calls for an officer down in the northern section of the city. We all quickly headed out there to this call. When we arrived, there were already multiple patrol cars at the scene outside this unoccupied warehouse. There was blood all over the ground. One of our officers had been shot in the chest. Luckily for him, that his vest had saved him from dying. He was unsteady on his feet and can barely stand up due to how much pain he was in. After getting an ambulance, we sent him off. Once we got his vest off, we could see he had a very bad wound. We later found out that another officer had died at the scene after being shot by a shooter who fled into the warehouse. This leads to my supernatural encounter that I witnessed with one of my fellow partners who went inside. I stayed outside looking for any signs of the suspect and suddenly all of our radios started going crazy again. Haywire and wacky but instead of my dispatcher coming over it was just crazy amounts of static. This would actually happen to all of us. We would later find out from reporting to each other. After a few more minutes of standing outside doing some searching, I began to hear more radio static and scratchy noises to my radio receiver. Then I began hearing my partner screaming from inside the warehouse. I bolted in looking for any signs and all the lights inside the warehouse in unison shut off. I pulled out my mag light and began searching around. I could still hear him screaming upstairs, so I started shouting his name trying to look for the stairwell. I found it going up the stairs to the third floor where I'm sure I heard his screams. Now. I just need to stop the story here for just a second and explain this story that I'm about to share with you. It doesn't sound like any normal story you'd probably hear. I'm sure you get a lot of stuff, but as an officer, I don't ever want to share anything that's so out of the realm of reality that I would get laughed at. So, I have to tell you that what I saw next, I have no explanation for. I cannot rationalize this or explain it away with normal logic. So. As I'm running up there, 
I entered the third floor and I could still hear screaming, but as I came around the corner, I found a deceased person which I believe was the shooter. They were unidentified and looked to be like a male in his early 30s. He was in a pool of blood and his weapon was not far from him. I quickly checked to see if he was responsive, but he had no pulse. It was right here after this that I felt this overwhelming sensation of being watched. Although thoroughly checking all around me, there was no signs of anybody and I could still hear my partner wailing in the distance. It must have been on the next floor, so I quickly run back to the stairwell and run up to the fourth floor. Of course, his screams and wails go completely silent and I could hear something big moving around on this floor. Thinking it was the person probably keeping him quiet or pinned down perhaps, I drew my gun, yelling out, shining it in every which direction. I didn't see anything or see any blood or signs that anybody would be up here. I kept calling my partner's name, yelling, hoping they would respond. And just then, I heard something large coming towards me, approaching me from the side where my view was obstructed. As I turned to respond to the noise, I see this large black figure with pointed ears coming right at me. Out of reaction, I fire and this doesn't stop it. So now, I turn and run. I get to the stairwell and this thing is gaining on me. I get down to the stairs and I go down three, two, one and I'm now on the bottom level. I hear this thing start to come down the stairwell. It is incredibly large and keep in mind the entire time this has happened, I did not stop to turn around and identify what my sealant was or who they were from the vague shape that I saw that it came after me. It was not human nor was it animal. I can't exactly describe what or who it was. I fled out of the warehouse building, turned around and radioed for dispatch. I still could not find my partner and I needed backup. Now, within three minutes, Four to five black SUVs pull up and about 16 to 20 of these soldiers comes out and began storming the warehouse. They were all black and they were a branch of military that I did not quite recognize. Several secret agent looking men surrounded me, telling me that I no longer have jurisdiction over this case and I need to leave now or risk being detained. I explained to them to show me their badges who they were and that I was an officer of the county and that one of my men was. They interrupted me telling me that I either risk being detained or leave now. So I start arguing with the guy and my sheriff comes up right behind me, explaining to me that the case is now out of our hands and we need to let these guys take over. So I pull my shirt to the side, asking who are these guys, what are they doing here, and where is our partner? After shooting down all my questions, he just sends me home without really much information at all. I get that this story is very anticlimactic, but I'm actually hoping that sending this to you, you can give me any sort of hint as to what has happened. Is this normal for anything like this to happen? Did I encounter something from another world? Was this a ghost? And who were these men in the SUVs? Were they some sort of secret military branch or was this some form of the police that I was never made known about? Any help from your end would be greatly appreciated since I'm sure this falls under the realm of paranormal. Thank you. First off, let me state for the record that I do believe Bigfoot exists. I'm not huge into UFOs or aliens, but I know what I saw. 
I live in Louisiana and one night after midnight, I was on my way back to town from a catfishing trip before sunrise. My wife and kids were in the car and we were headed west out of the swamps right before you get to New Iberia. Right off of 837 before you hit the bridge, there's this old overgrown railroad track that runs alongside the road for about a hundred yards. It crosses the highway and dead ends, so no traffic is on there at night. As we drove down the two-lane highway, me and my wife were discussing getting some crawfish together when suddenly something large ran across where we had just been only what seemed like milliseconds ago. It literally crossed all eight lanes of traffic in a second. The only way I can describe what we saw was this tall, gangly white gorilla-looking thing with super long arms and legs. It didn't appear to have much muscle but moved so fast it was surreal. And yet, when you looked at its head, it looked like a regular person, although this is because it moved so quickly. Now, this thing was propelling itself across the road due to how fast it was going, the same way a gymnast would be doing a backflip over a vault or a high bar. From what I could see, it was pale white. What was so bizarre was its skin color, the texture, and its fold of skin kind of like an elephant skin, maybe more closely to hog skin. That may have been the only thing that actually made me realize what I saw, because when you look at any other animal skins, it's not like this one. Anyway, I'm still shook up over this whole thing because how could something like this exist? It didn't exactly appear to be an ape hybrid either. Well, I mean apes aren't white. This is what immediately brought back the memories of seeing these things for the first time. As an officer, I'd like to have the answers myself, but I have no idea. I'm not really sure what these creatures are or what they're truly capable of. Maybe they can mimic us, maybe they are smart enough to use tools, or maybe just hunt us for food. To me, these things are something I'll never forget. You don't think you're ever going to see anything like this in your life but then it happens right in front of you sitting right there. I know that everybody will say I'm lying because of how crazy it sounds, but it's true. These things are out there and if they wanted to attack us, I have no doubt they would be able to so easily. I should also mention that it appeared more interested in terrifying us than anything else. I'm sorry if the descriptions of these things that I've given you have sucked because it happened so fast. I can't exactly tell you what it was that we saw. My wife and I are still kind of flabbergasted at the sighting of this thing, even though this is not the first time I've seen it. But both times, or I should say several times I've seen it, I've never quite been able to get a good look at it. This could very well be a mutated animal or it could be an experiment released by scientists. I don't know. Those are just theories and speculation. You seem to be an expert on all things paranormal, strange, and cryptids, which this very well could be. Encrypted, although I must admit, I don't know much about cryptozoology. If I do, I figured you would be the expert to go through. So, what do you think this could be? I'll go ahead and insert that I don't think it was exactly a Bigfoot. I've actually heard of many Bigfoot encounters around here, for my witnesses and the creature they described does not at all fit the descriptions of what my wife and I saw that evening or the same creature I've seen by myself. Bigfoots are generally much more bulkier, kind of resembling front linemen on a football team, cone-shaped heads with no neck, hulking bulky bodies. 
This thing looked like a little chimpanzee or something except longer, ganglier limbs, all white and moving with incredible speed and force. I'm at a complete loss of what that could be. Cop here. I had another officer at work meet up with me right after a call he was on. He said an elderly lady was insisting someone was getting into her mobile home and stealing things and moving them around when she was asleep or not home. This is the standard MO for dementia calls, they will insist but the facts don't add up and after talking to them for a while you start to realize they aren't all there, well. She had called us before and was advised by the officer to take some measures to prevent it or disprove it which she obliged. She screwed all her windows shut changed the locks on the doors, and installed cameras inside. She even set an alarm with motion detectors in the house and slept in her locked bedroom where she could arm and disarm from there without leaving the bedroom. And she said they were still getting inside the home. So the first thing I think at this part of the story is that it has to be dementia because how the hell would they get in now? That, or it's like those horror stories where a person is living in your attic. She has no attic though so that's out. Well he reviews the video and you can see her leave and lock the front door. Then sure as shit someone's hand can be seen in the edge of one of the frames inside the home. He said after seeing that he tore the place apart, inside and out, but there was no way in or out, no signs of forced entry, and nothing missing from the home. He said he ended up not taking a report because he couldn't figure out how to write one without saying it was a ghost. I'm a Coast Guard, Old Navy tug, brought into service to the USCG Ice Treaker. Had a ghost of a Navy guy who died in the bilge from gas. Fast forward to a new USCG mechanic trying to fix one of the batteries, and wasn't getting it quite right. A guy on the batter next to him said, no you do it like this, and unscrewed a part, showing him how it was done. However the other guy was in a Navy uniform and we were at sea, he diapered shortly after talking. Lots of us had seen that Navy engineer in the past but that particular coast he got off the boat at the next port call and refused to reboard. We left without him, not sure whatever happened but he never came back to the ship. We also had the screams of a lady that would happen during late shifts. Enough that we always turned the boats aft away from the direction of the screams in case it was a civilian in the water, no woman aboard this ship. We would light up that section of ocean with high-powered lighting but there was never anything there. We were told not to log the events. One time we paddled into a backcountry site that we like camping at in the fall. It's high on a rocky cliff but has natural stairs up, so it's nicely protected from the wind and damp of the lake. One day we were walking around in the woods behind the site just to see what we see. There are lots of open spaces caused by exposed rock that create a natural trail. We weren't even that far from the site. All of a sudden we hear a short, low growl. We freeze. Neither of us were sure we actually heard it. We wait a minute, see and hear nothing, so we start walking again. A longer growl. Now the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. My instinct is to run, but I don't want to activate some animal's prey drive. 
We still don't see anything. My husband picks up a big stick and starts hitting trees and making lots of noise so we seem big. We slowly back away and walk calmly back to our campsite. Needless to say, we didn't sleep much that night. We never saw what it was, but our theory is that it was a coyote. We often hear them howling and yipping near there, and I've read they sleep in the open during the day. We pull into a state park campground to camp for a couple of nights. There was a line of trees separating our campsite from our neighbors, and our neighbors had a strap strung up between two of the trees with two blackened sausages hanging from hooks. Trying to ignore how weird that is, our neighbors greet us and say don't worry about the sausages, our buddy got a trail camera so we're trying to catch raccoons with it. Glossing over the fact that this trail cam is pointed right into our campsite. I definitely had to keep this in mind when I got out of my camper to pee in the middle of the night. The sausages were still there the next morning, but I think eventually a ranger came by and told them to cut it out because they disappeared sometime during the day. I didn't like the weird vibes emanating from that spot, so we just ignored their presence for the most part. They were gone for most of the day, but came back to their enormous RV and generator right as we were thinking it would be peacefully quiet for the rest of the evening. The last morning, I wake up to the sound of a thousand crows circling us. I lay there for a while and then peek out and see a dead crow lying right in the same precise spot below where those black sausages had been hanging the day before. Every crow within a 100 mile radius was circling overhead, angrily cawing out during this crow funeral. Now I've been on the wrong side of a crow war before, so I wasn't too interested in any of them recognizing me. We packed up our camp as quickly as we could and hit the road. In the early 90s we were backpacking through Copper Canyon in Chihuahua, Mexico. We were super tired and a little lost so just bivouacked next to a river in some smooth rocks. They were really perfect for sleeping on. My friend and I have our bags maybe 10 feet apart and we chat a little about the day as we drift off. No dinner, no fire. This is a very remote area. A few hours later we both awake to loud drum banging and 5-7 Tarahumara Indians running right through our campsite, screaming and banging their drums. Sort of dancing and chanting. Super cliche. Right between my friend and I. The moon had come out over the canyon and was super bright and I could see the expressions on their faces as clear as day. And as quickly as they appeared, they were gone. Off into the canyon. We just stared at each other without saying a word for about 5 minutes. I then reached over to my pack and fumbled around for a pint of cheap whiskey I'd been saving. Took a long pull off of it and then tossed it to my friend. We polished it off. Later we found out that the Tarahumara are super friendly and were probably just playing a prank on us. They're usually super shy. That was a long wait till sunrise though. Edit. This is not an area that I'd advise anyone to go without a guide these days. Also exercise extreme caution. It's unfortunately pretty cartelish back in there now. A few years ago, 
I loaded a bunch of camping gear onto my bicycle and spent the better part of the next seven months riding 5,300 miles, 8,500 kilometers, around the western US. I did this trip solo. At night, I most often preferred to wild camp, simply finding somewhere to disappear into the woods, somewhere people were unlikely to find me and even less likely to care that I was there. The forest doesn't exactly make for a quiet night's sleep, but after the first few weeks, I found comfort in that. The constant droning of thousands of crickets and toads was all but a certainty. It was always a highlight of my night. Though not particularly uncommon. To hear the yips and howls of a distant pack of coyotes, and I fondly recall one evening I set up camp right between a pair of owls who spent much of the night hooting back and forth. If nothing else, it wouldn't take much of a breeze to stir music from the tree canopy. In late September, I'd found my way to western Montana. I was in a quite remote part of the state, and had little trouble finding a place to set up camp on this particular night. As I went through my usual evening routine, pitching the tent, writing the day's final journal entry, and so on, I didn't notice anything unusual. Once I turned out my light and laid down in bed, though, I came to a disturbing realization. It was dead silent. There was not a single cricket chirping, certainly no coyotes. There was no babbling of a nearby creek, and even the air between the dry leaves of early autumn still clinging to the trees was at a standstill. It was truly and completely silent. And that was terrifying. I can only describe it as the loudest silence I've ever heard. It felt as though the entire forest was trying to hide from something, like an equally silent predator. Suddenly the occasional snapping of a twig a common sound normally lost in the cacophony of other noises, rang out like a gunshot. I slept terribly that night, and I'll never forget the immense relief I felt with the first bird song of the pre-dawn hour. My sister solo hiked the Pacific Crest Trail a couple years back. One night, on the southern portion near a hot spring that was accessible from a nearby road, she woke up to screaming. A couple she'd soaked with in the spring had been tripping on something, and the guy OD'd after she went to sleep. She told me another time she was cowboy camping in Northern California and brushing her teeth after dark. Heard a large animal moving around maybe 30 feet from her shined her light on it. It was a group of deer, acting agitated. She panned her light around to see what was bugging them. Just upwind of them was a mountain lion, stalking them. She told me that when she shined her light on it, it gave her a look that said, hey, I don't bother you before you eat a burrito. Leave me alone. She turned her light off, finished brushing her teeth, and crawled into her sleeping bag. I'm not sure what I would have done in that situation, but she lived to tell the story. I've been out camping in the National Forest in eastern Washington, random pull-out dispersed camping with only enough room for one vehicle and tent. Went to bed at around midnight and heard someone else stop and set up a tent in what sounded like the middle of the excuse for a road. A while later, they packed up and left. I figured the rocks were too much for them and went back to sleep. In the morning, I found they'd left a line of chicken bones all across my back bumper and a note cursing me, literally, 
for stealing their spot written on the back of a utility bill. I decided to be just as strange and mailed them the chicken bones all tied together in a sort of wreath. Later, I realized that bill could have been stolen mail. I really hope not, because oh my god, what would the people who got that box have thought? I've also had a spatula just go missing. I set it down on the edge of the fire pit, packed some stuff, went to get it and clean it, and it was just gone. I looked all over the campsite. I unpacked and went through everything. I looked under my seats. I checked the bushes. I went down to the water spigot, even though I was sure I hadn't been there yet that morning. I finally gave up and moved sites, the reason I'd been packing up. I came back for one last look, not for the spatula, just to make sure I hadn't left anything, and then took the side trail down to the sign in area to leave a note I'd moved. Halfway down, I found the spatula with the large end sticking out of a ground squirrel hole, and the handle pulled in as far as possible. Laughing, I reached down and claimed my somewhat gnawed spatula. Pro tip, ground squirrels seem to really like bits of melted cheese and scrambled eggs. A US Navy. About five years ago, we used to have this chief that was in charge of us on the boat. He lived and breathed the NATO Sea Sparrow Surface Missile System, and if you weren't a missile technician, you were inferior in his eyes. He was a hard ass that always kept us super late, especially to fix NSSMS, even if you weren't a missile technician. But despite all of that, he really did care for us. We were like his family, and as much shit as he gave us, there was always something to laugh about with him or some crazy things he would make us do that would ultimately make us bond even more. There were often days where he would make us stay until well after 8 or 9 pm in port, and we would have to wait for him to fall asleep at his desk with a dip still packed in his lip so we could sneak out and go home. He was the embodiment of the stereotypical strict and unforgiving navy leader that comes to mind when you think about military service. He never seemed to care about going home. In fact I feel like he considered the ship more of a home than his house with a wife and three kids. One day out of the blue, Chief hung himself in the aft launcher room. Everyone on the ship was completely shocked by it because he never seemed like he was even struggling with anything and it was totally out of character. It was rough on all of us, but we had a job to do and we carried on with our drills and our workups for the coming deployment. We were working on the aft missile system a few months later one night out at sea. It was so dark, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, so we had the red lights on in the space so we could continue our work. As soon as we corrected the fault and got power back to it, we turned on the console to test it. Everything turned on like normal, all the tests ran fine, and it looked like we were done. But the launcher wasn't done proving it was ready to go. Not only did it turn on, but it started to move. We thought, okay, nothing crazy, there's probably something else down the line that's not getting good power, let's keep troubleshooting. Before we could get up to go do it, the computer system started to engage a target. This cannot... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...be done on its own in the current configuration. There are so many fail-safes in place to keep accidental engagements from happening. We tried to disengage the target which I think was a commercial airliner flying over that Atlantic, on the console, but it would not let up. The launcher slewed over to the correct bearing to fire the missile. We slammed everything and turned it off and ran back aft to see what the F was causing anything to even start any of that process. Nothing. Everything was configured correctly, all of the voltage readings were fine, and nothing seemed to be mechanically or electrically wrong with the system. We turned it back on and everything was fine. Even to this day, weird things still happen back there. I was giving a new person a tour of the ship while I was on duty, and when I went back aft to show her the launcher room, my radio started making static noises. People have seen things fall off the walls and shelves when we weren't rocking, seen equipment turn on or off by itself. I'm pretty sure it's Chief. He always used to F with us, and he had a raging hard-on for firing missiles. It's kind of poetic, really. Chief lived and died on the ship, and true to form, he still refuses to go home. There was a time when I thought that my life would be boring and mundane every day I'd get up go to work and then come home and take a nice shower before going to bed. Then one day that all changed right after my youngest daughter started high school my wife got a job at another state and we moved without much warning and my daughter also changed school so she wasn't around very often either. I remember how alone I felt until this day came when something called me from the darkness outside of town. It was about 1am when at first I thought it was nothing more than a raccoon rummaging through the trash cans outside the house. When suddenly from behind me I appeared this very chiseled humanoid creature standing well over seven feet tall with matted black hair. I don't know what it was looking for but I can tell you that I almost had a heart attack when it turned around to face me with these glowing eyes. After what felt like an eternity of standing there in complete shock at the sight of this thing it looked to me for about five seconds before disappearing. I would consider this creature a chupacabra and based on what I've seen online and how this creature looked. After this I started drinking every night and didn't stop until years later when I finally moved back to my hometown. To this day I still think about this creature often wondering if he's still out there somewhere lurking in the darkness just waiting for another unsuspecting victim to pounce upon. I believe that would have been me had I been maybe in my full uniform. I was off duty at the time so who knows. 
It's signings like this that make me wonder if all my years as an officer in service have really gotten to me. It's possible that this experience has changed the way my brain feels and works. Maybe I've gathered hallucinogenic PTSD from everything I've gone through. Because since then, I've never seen anything quite like what I saw, but I can't help but feel that this was more than real and I didn't just have a vision. This was real, this was something that actually happened to me. I feel like if I had my radio or weapon on me, I would have taken a shot at this thing. Could it have been a demon? I don't know, I'm really not sure exactly what this was. In the middle of the Pacific Ocean on an icebreaker boat. We were steaming south and I had one of the night watches on the bridge, I was a QM. Anyone who has been on a ship at night knows almost all lights are out so your night vision can adjust, read, it is really dark on the bridge at night. I was leaning against the chart table, facing aft, talking to two other watchstanders a few feet in front of and facing me. Suddenly I was looking at them as if it was noon on the sunniest day. I jumped past them and out onto the flying bridge to try to see what was happening. What appeared to be perfectly round, incredibly bright, yellowish orb was passing over us from east to west. It looked and felt like it was just barely above the ship and it was moving fast. There was no noise. I watched until it went beyond the horizon waiting for the explosion or crash when it hit the water. Nothing. The darkness that followed after its passing was incredible. From first seeing the light until it disappeared couldn't have been more than 10 seconds, horizon to horizon. At that time the phones on the bridge lit up with reports from all over the ship everybody described more or less the same sight. Some called it a meteor, some a flare, some a UFO. There were no surface contacts on radar, and this object wasn't either, but we initiated a search pattern in case it was a flare. I checked all pertinent notice to mariners looking for notice of rocket launches, live firing exercises or similar but found nothing that would explain it. This was in 1990 or so and as far as I know, none of us who were on the ship ever found out for sure what we saw. As is normal, not actually a cop myself but, I got this straight from the cop involved. So, these two veteran cops, let's call them Bob and Mike, respond to A911, that lack details, on a nicer block in a shit neighborhood of a large city. They get to the house and are met by this older woman who was clearly an immigrant from one of the Caribbean islands judging by her accent. She welcomes them in and politely tells them that she didn't make the call and alluded to having had previous issues with some of the local punk kids so they probably made the call as a prank. So Bob is not green by any standard and is pretty well educated for a cop. Super rational guy who has faced absolute nightmares with unflappable stoicism. But damned if there isn't something about that house that's telling him to run and not look back. And there's no reason for it. The house isn't a mansion but it's clean and well kept. The woman is annoyed about the prank call but entirely cordial with them. There's no weird sounds or smells that suggest something is amiss. Still, he can't shake this feeling of unbridled terror. They eventually finish taking the report and leave. After they get into the car, Mike looks at Bob and says damned, I'm so glad to be out of there. Place freaked me the F out.
Now, this worries Bob more because Mike, in addition to being a veteran cop with time in the homicide department, was also some veteran of an elite military unit, whose name entirely escapes me at the moment, and all-around badass. That they both were independently freaked out was bizarre. Still, it's a big city and they have other stuff to worry about so they get back to work. But leaving that feeling unaddressed didn't sit well with Bob. When he was on his own and had nothing pending, he went back to that neighborhood and found the block captain, pro tip, if you want to know the details in a specific area, find the block captain. So he asks her hey, you know that islander lady on your block? The captain says oh, you mean the witch. And Bob is just like what? Remember those kids that were giving the homeowner a hard time? Apparently one of the local punks threw a rock at her window not too long ago, before Bob and Mike visited. This shit, let's call him punk, basically acted like an asshole prick when the woman confronted him. Witnesses say she swore he would regret it. That very night, Punk's parents rush him to the local hospital, which is actually a really phenomenal hospital despite the neighborhood. He's in massive pain for apparently no reason. The ER runs tests, he's in multiple organ failure and they have no idea why. None of their tests showed any reason why a previously healthy teenager was just dying in front of them. Nothing poisonous, no injuries, etc. The staff valiantly worked to stabilize him but nothing was working. At last, the parents went to the homeowner's place, throw themselves in front of her door, and beg her to spare their son. The homeowner supposedly looked at them with an oddly neutral face and said their son would be fine. Sure enough, for no reason that the hospital staff could fathom, Punk does a complete 180 during the night. All his organs start working again, he stabilizes, and is back to 100% come morning. There isn't even any permanent damage to his previously imperiled organs. Bob later confirmed at least Punk's mysterious illness and equally astounding recovery, Bob's contact was totally creeped out when he told her about the homeowner. So I'm not a cop but when I was a kid my mom had to call them on two occasions and here's why. When I was five we moved into a home built in 1840 and remodeled it. Lots of weird stuff would happen and while renovating the kitchen we even found human remains, yes they were reported and collected but we never heard back. Anyway, when I was about 13 I was at a friend's house for the night. My mom was in the living room below my bedroom and she heard what sounded like someone trashing my bedroom, smashing out my window and jumping onto the roof of the front porch. She naturally called the police and nothing was touched, no one could explain what happened. Another night I was asleep in my room and my dog started growling which woke me up. When I woke up it sounded like all the drawers downstairs were being thrown open and glass was breaking. I also heard boots walking. This was before cell phones and I just tried to keep my dog quiet. I gave him a bone and I army crawled to my brother's room down the hall. He was awake and heard it too. He got his baseball bat and went into my mom's room and she already had 911 on the line. The police arrived and heard the noises from outside the house. Once again, no signs of forced entry, nothing moved. There was also fresh snow on the ground and no abnormal steps outside. 
A lot happened in that house but these were the two times the law was involved and no one could explain anything. This is a story I heard from a guy I worked with in the Air Force while stationed at Osan Ab in South Korea in 2003. He said that when he was at his first duty station in Germany, about 10 years previous, he and another airman were rooming together in this small basement apartment off base. One night, he wakes in his tiny room to see a dark shadow person standing in front of his window. He jerks fully awake, and they're gone. The thing is that the bed is actually pushed against that window, so there's isn't room for a person to stand. He assumes he was dreaming but is too rattled to go back to sleep, so after tossing and turning for hours he gives up and gets up. Same thing happens the next night. So he risks ridicule and asks his housemate if they'd been in his room the previous night around 3am the answer was no accompanied by ridicule. This happens to him every night for the next two weeks at 3am eventually, it doesn't really shock him anymore. He sees the guy. Tries to focus on him. It disappears. He knows he won't sleep so he gets up around 3.15, makes coffee, watches TV until time for work. So one morning, usual routine. He's just sitting down on the couch with coffee in hand when a fireball shoots out of the stove that heats the apartment and ignites a dried up houseplant a couple feet away. He jumps up and puts the fire out by throwing the plant in the bathtub. And he was never bothered by the dark shadow again. I, then 25F, went solo camping with my Labrador. I set up my tent at the edge of the forest and everything was fine. In the middle of the night I heard footsteps around my tent and someone tried to open the zipper. Luckily I always secured the zipper with a suitcase lock. My dog, who has never been aggressive, completely freaked out and looked like he was ready to kill anyone if necessary. I think that was also the reason why the person then left. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night and at dawn I packed up and drove the three hours back home. Camping in the Wichita Mountains National Wildlife Refuge. Perhaps not as impressive as some of the stuff I've seen on this sub but for us it was a great camp. Hear the creaking of the cooler opening, figured it was some asshole from another campsite stealing our beer. Throw my headlamp on and I try to get out of my tent as fast as I can. F in raccoons had opened up the cooler and stolen our hot dogs. I followed the paw prints in the dirt back to an empty package of Hebrew nationals, and shelled out for Mir's burgers the next night. Every spring, my family spends the better part of a week camping at a nearby state park. We're all lifelong campers, so we're no strangers to the local wildlife and how to best fend them off. On our first night of this year's trip, we finished dinner and packed all the food away in the car. Not long after dark, we heard rustling in the tree line around our campground, followed of course by the appearance of a raccoon. We let him sniff around our picnic table, figuring if we scared him off, he'd come back, but if we let him look around and see there's no food left for him, he'd continue making his rounds to other campsites and leave us in peace. So he runs around our picnic table. 
stands up with his front paws on the bench, getting a better sniff of the table up above. Runs off past our car towards the next campsite. Until we realized he didn't run past our car but rather to it. We hear the quite loud and unmistakable rustling of a chip bag and go to investigate. It turns out we left the car window open, and he climbed up in there and helped himself to a bag of potato chips. He scampered off as soon as we opened the door, but not before making quite the mess. There were chip crumbs all over the seat and floor, as well as muddy little paw prints on the seat and the hood of the car. The next night, we double and triple checked that the car was all closed up. The raccoon came by again, and definitely lingered at the car a bit longer than normal, but his efforts were wasted that time. We were camping out of a canoe in rural Missouri and had a run-in with a mountain lion. It followed us a couple miles down the river in the adjoining woods and we finally had to set up camp on the shore because it was getting dark. Middle of nowhere with no cell service and too far to float to the next resort. Our dog was a puppy at the time and could tell something was nearby and spent most of the time hiding. In the middle of the night something charged the side of the tent and took up two tent stakes. I have no idea how we didn't get eaten that night. Maybe the sound of us freaking out scared it away? I was solo camping in a state park campground on a spring weekday so there were not many people in the campground. I had just gotten in my tent to read a bit before bed when I heard this weird, almost simian howling. Up in the Pacific Northwest, my first thought was Sasquatch, even though I don't really believe, being alone in the woods will make you reconsider your beliefs pretty quick. The howling got closer, until it was right outside my tent, and then a second set of howls started up in the distance. When I got to cell service in the morning I looked it up and found out it was most likely a barred owl, but it had me pretty freaked out in the dark alone. We went jungle-slash-mountain hiking once and camped near the summit, around 2000 Mossel. I walked away from our tents for a wee and realized I had chosen a small brook as my toilet spot. All of a sudden, on my right ear, I thought I really heard a whisper spoken in my native language say this is not good. I could swear I could feel the breath on my neck but there was absolutely no human around. I was also wide awake as my adrenaline was pumping as I was already too scared to stray away from camp. I still think a lot about that time and believe mountains are sacred. I was involved in the Boy Scouts growing up, and we went camping a few times every spring and summer. Before I aged out, we planned one more backpacking trip for a few days near a string of lakes in the mountains. We hiked there with no problem and saw many other groups along the way. A different troop of scouts settled at another lake nearby and we went about our day, setting up camp and finding things to do in the woods. After about a day, we got news that one of the boys from the other group had gone missing and hadn't returned to camp. To make matters worse, one of their scouts had broken their arm while out searching for him and needed to leave immediately, but they all couldn't leave since, you know. One of their other scouts was missing. Search and rescue was quickly called and by nightfall he still hadn't been found. 
The other scouts moved into our camp just to keep everyone together. Searchlights from the helicopters swept over us all night and would linger over our tents, totally illuminating us. Accompanying this were rangers with search dogs coming through the camp. They searched around our entire camp and we heard the dogs sniffing and brushing against our tents. In the morning, I had heard they questioned our leaders about the kid and if they knew anything. I just felt such a sense of dread the whole night, what if they didn't find him? They eventually found the kid after about a day, and their troop quickly packed up their things and left, but I can't help but just imagine how it would have felt being lost, it was always one of my biggest fears about the wilderness. Safe to say we stuck very close together for the rest of the trip. It's why I always use the buddy system or carry something with me to make noise with. My husband and I went camping by ourselves after being married for several years. I planned it to be mildly romantic and took our dog with us so she could get out too. Everything was wonderful until the middle of the first night. Our dog is a lab and even though she looks like a soft, squishy animal her growl is menacing. In the pitch black, middle of the night dark, I wake up to her growling and immediately think something is outside our tent. I panic and quietly, but frantically wake my husband. There's something outside the tent. I whisper yell at my husband as we both rummage for flashlights and our glasses. We switch on the flashlight and look outside and nothing. Our dog is still growling and snarling so I traced her line of sight to a bug. Some little fly type bug that was stuck and couldn't get out. We get it out of the tent and she goes right back to sleep. Thank goodness she saved us from that one bug and took 10 years off our lives to do so. Southern Utah one month camping slash hiking trip into the Escalante National Forest. Slow moving lights across the sky. Like alien spaceships. There was no sound. I was with a group of 12 friends. They approached slowly, over an hour and then were gone quickly. We were all laying in our sleeping bags and we were all concerned. After we returned from the trip we tried to find info on what they could have been. We never figure it out. Maybe military. Maybe aliens. On a small island, on the Mississippi River in Minnesota, on mushrooms and no it wasn't just a hallucination. My brother, myself, and two friends had taken mushrooms a couple hours before dark and were running around with flashlights. The entire interior of the island was covered in massive ferns that were about waist high and so many, so tightly packed in, that you couldn't even see the forest floor. Everyone was running around with flashlights and because you couldn't see the ground, every so often the bobbing flashlights would disappear when someone tripped on a log or hole. Someone yelled, how it feels like we are in Vietnam. We all sort of hooted and hollered and took back off running around, diving and dodging bullets as we all shared in that feeling and shared trip for a while. Not long after that, we heard a loud, and fast, bass beat that started growing even louder and louder, so loud you could feel it in your chest and as if whatever it was, was nearly right on top of us. We all stopped to catch our breath at the edge of the island, and somehow the noise grew even louder. 
When suddenly four, blacked out, military helicopters came flying down the river just a few feet above the water and flew right past us as all four of us just stood there like deer in headlights. Dumbfounded, and questioning whether what we were all seeing was even real. They passed right between our island and the next, so low and so close, we could see the pilots in the cockpit turn their heads and look at us, illuminated by the cockpit lights. It was really incredible and would have been an amazing sight even if we weren't tripping on mushrooms. It was incredible and quite the coincidence that we happened to be there, tripping on mushrooms that night, when the nearby military base chose that night and that stretch of the river to conduct a helicopter exercise. So wild. My daughter and I had started our six-day trip into the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. First evening, we were set up, dinner finished, and we were just tidying up camp in the last light. Our site was on a corner of the shoreline where it turns from west to the north. The next closest site was on the other side of the lake. I hear something coming through the woods, paralleling the shoreline from the west. Whatever it was, it was big, on the move and not caring about how much noise it was making as it plowed through the brush. It was also vocalizing. It was making a ha-ha sound and it was getting louder, closer. It was heading straight for our sight. My daughter and I realized that shit's about to get real, we each grab our bear spray and put our backs to the lake, and we start making a bunch of noise, yelling, clapping, banging paddles. Eventually, the thing in the forest gets close but never breaks out of the tree line. It starts to parallel us and then we hear it heading north and fading off into the distance. We never saw it. Next day we meet some rangers doing maintenance on a portage. We described our experience and they said it was likely a bull moose. The rut was going on at the time, mid-September, and the bulls are out looking for the lady moose. Plus they said that their eyesight isn't that great, so it could help explain why this thing was just plowing through branches and brush. Shorter story. Second night, different sight. I woke up, couldn't sleep so I just sat listening to the night sounds, loons and owls. Our tent is pretty close to the lake. I hear single footfalls in the water. Curse splash, curse splash. I wake up my daughter to tell her I think it's a bear, learned later, Black bears aren't big waders when they can just be on the ground. I tell her we need to scare it out of the sight. She gives me a big nope and goes back to sleep. I get up, put my shoes on and go outside with my bear spray and headlamp. I walk down towards the shoreline but not all the way, we're on a cove and trees partially blocks my view of the entire shore. I yell get out of here bear. And then jump back into the tent. The footfalls stop and we didn't see any sign of tracks on the shoreline the next morning. Maybe it was another scary night moose. I lived in a haunted house. I was never afraid of supernatural, but it was a strange year living there. When we visited the house the first time I felt this strange unsettling feeling. I didn't want to live there but I was 16 at the time and I had no vote in the house my mom would choose and it ended up being this one. Thankfully it was a rental so we could leave any time. There was an old blue trailer in the yard. The homeowner told us we could make any change to the house but we could not touch the trailer ever. We never even went near it, 
It was old and filthy and we didn't care for it. During the time that we lived there a series of stuff happened that we couldn't really explain at the time, but like I said I was never really afraid of supernatural. We would clean, and suddenly the floor would be covered in muddy dog feet. No dogs around. One night I want to change a lamp, standing on a ladder. The ladder tips over, I nearly hit my head on a sink. It was really close, but no reason for the ladder to tip over. In one year our house gets hit by lighting three times, going front to back breaking every single thing that was plugged into electricity. One of these times my brother was outside in the back, taking in some stuff he left outside, so it wouldn't get wet from the rain. Lighting hits and he gets ejected at least three meters through the air across the lawn, hit a fence and falls on the ground. Miraculously he's shook but unharmed. One night I wake up having to use the bathroom. I get up and hear water running. So I walk into the bathroom, nothing. I wake my mom, tell her I hear water. She does too. We go downstairs, it's flooded, ankle high already. A pipe burst. Mind you, those pipes were replaced when we moved in as part of the agreement, so they were new. Another day I come home. We got a kitten, I find its head in the living room. Blood and nothing else. Looked like something ate it, it was horrible. For the longest time there was this girl who would walk in and out the house. We usually only caught a glimpse of her, mostly heard her giggle. This was a friendly neighborhood, so we figured it was one of the neighbor's kids, who was curious and playing games. We let her be. For a long time after that nothing out of the ordinary happened but we wanted out of the house. We found a new place and while we were moving one of the neighbors comes to ask if we need help. He glances at the old trailer and says so that thing is still here huh? I told him we weren't allowed to touch it, asked him if he knew why. Since he was so interested in it I thought he might know. He told me the people who originally bought the ground to build the house lived in that trailer until the house was ready. They never finished it because the dad shot his six-yo daughter and wife and then committed self-harm. Because of some formalities the case was never closed and the trailer was a crime scene, which made it illegal to take away or enter it. He continued, after those people died the house was bought by a dog breeder. He finished the house, and one night he wanted to change a lamp and his ladder tips over, hit his head on the sink and he died. To this day I am certain those two families and even the dogs were present in that house. Not really a scary story but this story was told to me by one of the hardest slash toughest old school men I know. The man in question used to work as a taxi driver in Dublin Ireland and was doing his usual late shift on a winter's night. The story went something similar to this. This night the rain was pouring down as clubbers and party goers were getting ready to go home so he was pretty busy. He was getting ready to head home for the night but decided to do one more fare. As he arrives at the taxi rank, he picks up a male passenger at the top of the queue and asks him where he is going. A group of three females behind the male in the queue hear him say he's going in the same direction as them and would he mind if they shared the taxi with him. The male passenger accepts and all four people get into the taxi. While in the taxi the male passenger hears one of the girls talking about her ma'am. 
She's worried about her ma'am etc. The male passenger then says not to worry about anything and that her mother will be alright and the diagnosis will come back as negative. The girl got freaked out, and started to verbally attack the male. The male supposedly took it all in his stride and went on to elaborate that it was nice of the female to come home from America to look after her ma'am, that she'll land a good job soon and everything will be good in a year or so. The girl confirmed she came home from America to look after her ma'am and that she just went for an interview for a really good job. The male then went on talk to the other girls in the car telling them stuff about their personal lives that they hadn't disclosed, what to focus on and where they'll be in the future. When it came near the end of fare it was the taxi driver, one female and the male passenger in the car. According to the taxi driver the last girl was really into the male passenger and invited him in for coffee but he declined. It's just the taxi driver and the male passenger in the car now. The male passenger turned to the driver and said don't worry about your divorce everything will be okay and you'll still get to see you kids etc. This freaked the driver out as he was going through a messy divorce at the time. He said he almost got in a fight with the male passenger. The male passenger then confessed that his family warned him about saying stuff like that to strangers as it may get him into trouble.